Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. Welcome to the Future Church Podcast. Hey, everybody. Um, Yes, this is a different one. I've never, ever done a podcast that I interviewed myself on. Uh, It's a bit weird, to be honest with you. Um, Generally, I say how much I, you know, like the speakers and how much I've learned from them. And the good news is... um, I'm kind of okay with myself, so I'm happy to interview myself. Uh, I might ask myself a few questions. Uh, I may disagree with myself. You may disagree with me as well, Um, but that's okay. What we're going to do is try to listen and learn and look at some things from Scripture and be able to think about what future church could look like. Let's be honest, in the West, present church ain't doing that great. There's so many things that are just... Um, pulling people away from even being interested in the idea of church. I think that, um, you know, we could try our best to be welcoming. Right now, as I'm recording this, we're in a run-up to Christmas. And yeah, any church that's trying its best to pull people in through the front doors, good on you. But when they come in, what message are they being presented with? Are they actually going to connect with Jesus in your church this year? To what extent will they get the unfiltered, unadulterated message that God came to save the earth in the person of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, fully human, and we needed Jesus to be God to the rescue, to be our saviour, that we needed Christ, the Messiah, uh, to fulfil all the scriptures and all the promises because without him, humanity is doomed to a lost eternity, is headed for hell, and that we can't save ourselves because we needed a saviour. Are we actually going to be bold enough and brave enough this year, not just to, you know, put the tea towels on our heads and uh, dress up as uh, kids up as shepherds and say, oh, isn't it nice, but actually recognise this wasn't just a nice story. There's a cosmic battle that's taking place. I'm doing a, a talk on Sunday called, Is There a Dragon in Your Nativity? Um, I'm going to encourage people to recognize that Revelation 12. What do you think about that passage that talks about a woman clothed in the sun and a child being born and then this enormous red dragon coming to snatch the child away? So that we have one viewpoint of what's going on in the, in the nativity of Mary and Joseph and we tell that story with the wise persons and the shepherds, etc. and the oxen lowing. But do we actually see and recognize that there's also this invasion that's taking place, that God is invading enemy territory, enemy occupied territory, that the announcement of the angels that God has come to the rescue was into a world every bit as broken and messed up and war torn uh, with even more poverty than we're uh, experiencing in many ways around, around the world right now. That even into that world when he could have come at any time that God chose to send his son because you and I needed to be saved for him from ourselves. What are we doing that's actually going to give that opportunity for people to respond to that message? Very often something I'll try and do at this time of the year is to encourage people to think, you know, is this, have you got a green light on this? Have you got enough of this message to be able to just say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus I realize that now I need to do that. Is there an orange light 
And is it like, mm, I'm not so sure, in which case I'll challenge people to sign up to one of our courses called Knowing, Growing, Going, which I've written a little booklet. It's connected to some things on YouTube so that people can then know that they know Jesus. They can grow in love for God and they can go and make a difference to other people by actually having practiced their own story of life transformation themselves. Get in touch if you're interested in getting some of those resources uh, from us here at Ivy Church. Contact us via the website ivychurch.org. So we'll encourage people to take those first three steps and then to become disciples, to go on our discipleship pathway, which is another resource, something that's available to us. Apparently last year there were about 36,000 completions of the course that I did on Right Now Media, where people go from lost and alone to found and at home in the Father's love, and they go through a process of how they discover Jesus and who he is. From discovering who Jesus is, they then get delivered fully into that new life, having been born again. They then devote themselves to Jesus because he's the only one that's worthy of our full devotion. The devoted people, then you develop them. You help people to find and discover and utilize their natural and spiritual gifts so that then they get to deploy them in the world for the good of others around us and for the glory of the God who rescued and redeemed us. I'm really excited about Christmas. I'm excited about all the possibilities and the extra things that we're putting on. We've got a Chris Dingle outside at the uh, sports club that we now own. We've just had uh, an amazing uh, nativity trail. But you know what? I don't think we would have got the hundreds of people who came through that into the nativity trail and connected with our community if we hadn't also alongside it for years, starting in COVID, done a a kind of Santa Grotto, which was free for the community. People came and were blessed and were uh, loved and families came. We had we had mums and, and just crying their eyes out and saying thank you for the, the love that was being shown to the community. And then from there, from meeting Santa, Santa, ho, 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 maybe you recognise his voice, then pointed them to go into... Uh, the Nativity Trail, where they met the characters of the Nativity. There was no dragon, you'll be pleased to know, but the ones in the traditional Nativity. And they could talk with Mary and Joseph and they could connect with the uh, the Magi and the shepherds and they had various activities to be able to connect them to the story. People just walking in off the street, as many as well as many people who, who just booked in in advance, came and discovered there the real meaning of Christmas. We've got to be imaginative. We've got to think... How can we help people to find Jesus? Especially, I think, at this time of the year when the studies show people are more ready than ever, more open than ever to hearing the good news of Jesus. So I'm not down at all on the church. I am so excited about the possibilities that the Church of Jesus Christ has uh, in store for anybody. Uh, if you're near, if you live near a church where the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached unapologetically, where they call sin sin and they call on Jesus as Savior, if you are uh, part of one of those churches, rejoice and encourage the leaders and participate as much as possible because it isn't easy to to do that. But actually, those are the only churches that. Uh, really do what says it, what it says on the tin and are therefore high impact churches. I've connected to a brilliant ministry called Living on the Edge recently and I encourage you to look at their uh, website, download the app on your phone. Chip Ingram is an amazing teacher. I've been privileged this year to do some teaching for them in the Middle East. I'll be doing it again uh, early next year as well in various places. 
but they describe what's called a high impact church and that's something that we're going to be looking at a lot in the future and um, we're going to particularly be looking at it in our launch events one day events that are taking place next year uh, we're going to do one in the north in manchester we're going to do another one back again in the south at gold hill and we're looking at at least a couple up in scotland and who knows there may be more as well so do keep connected so you can find out where these launch one day events will be and one of the things we'll be looking at is how to be a high impact church you know very often as churches we measure according to the abcs what's that attendance how many people are coming buildings how many people are coming into our buildings, but also how many buildings have we got? And then cash on the plate, uh, how many people are giving and are we meeting our needs and are we doing that? Well, actually, they're not bad measurements, but we all remember something called COVID when all of those measurements went completely out the window and there was nothing that we could do uh, in any of those categories, really. So many churches haven't survived that, or if they have, they're only just coming back, uh, limping their way back um, towards getting a fraction perhaps of the people that used to come into their buildings and surviving on a fraction of the money that used to be given before COVID. I don't think that's what God wants. I think he wants your church and mine to thrive. And the way that happens is not just focusing on those three measurements, but actually focusing on being a high impact church. What does that mean? Well, a high impact church is one where the lost are being found. Lost people are finding their way back to God. That's the first and most important, perhaps, of them, because Jesus Christ said that was his mission. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. That's his job, and we want to make his job our focus. So that's the first thing in a high-impact church, the lost are being found. The second thing in a high-impact church is that the found are maturing, that people are actually being discipled and that they're growing in in love and in faithfulness and in fruitfulness. So 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 the lost are being found and the found are maturing and multiplying. We are being disciples who make disciples. We're not just being disciples ourselves and doing courses. We're actually out there and making a difference for Jesus. And that leads into the third one, which is that in high impact churches, the lost are found. The found are multiplying and uh, maturing. And finally, the church is meeting some of the deepest needs in its community. We can't possibly meet all the needs of this world, but we should be making a difference in the places that God has put us to represent him, to be salt and light where you are. I sometimes ask church leaders, if your church was removed from your community, would anybody weep? Very often church leaders will admit maybe they wouldn't even weep if uh, their church wasn't there and they didn't have to go anymore on a Sunday. But actually, the thing is, each one of us is supposed to be part of a, a dynamic community with Jesus at the centre that makes a difference. And we don't just make a difference to the people who come Sunday by Sunday. Just down the road from us, there's a swimming bath, and uh, it, it was going to close a few years ago. Uh, the council said they had no more money for it and it was going to have to fold. Guess what? The locals rose up in fury about that. There were placards outside. There were letters that went to the mayor of Manchester and to the uh, councillors and people were writing petitions. And it was all over social media. And in the end, uh, because of the community that rose up and said, this thing does so much good, it mustn't stop. They kept it open and it's still there today. And it's actually ended up getting even more money from the council to improve it. At the same time, nearby, at least two churches and one synagogue I know of shut 
And guess who wept over that? Probably only the people who went. There was no furore. There was no protest from the community. What are you doing that's making such a difference in the name of Jesus that other people make uh, note the difference that you're making? Now, while I was on sabbatical, I did I had a three-month sabbatical this year, uh, I ended up with a little bit of a pondering around the church and what it was meant to be. I started out, the first word that I got for the first month was just to rest, and I think that's important. We should always be working from rest, and that starts when you rest from your work. So I took some time off, took about a month and just had a great time. I went to France um, with a friend who stayed in his house, which was lovely, did some cycling and just rested for about four weeks that ended up becoming six weeks because I really found I quite enjoyed the rest. After that, the word that came was review. I'm not usually a reviewer. I generally tend to not look back at anything that I've done really that much. I just get on with the next thing that's on my plate. And that verse speaks to me when Paul says, forgetting what is behind. That's probably sums me up. Uh, I tend to not focus on that, but to be focusing forwards. But it was good actually to review and to look back and think about the ups and the downs of ministry life, to think about the ups and downs of the church. And yeah, over the last 15 years here, we've had mostly some great times. We've also had some awful times there's been times it's been terrible in ministry the longer you're in a place you're going to end up weeping with those who weep as well as rejoicing with those who rejoice there's going to be people that uh, you're going to end up uh, burying and there'll be times when it feels like people are wanting to bury you so these are the realities of ministry and uh, if you've been involved in it any length of time and you're still at it well done for keeping going what about you? Have you taken any time to review and to look back and to do it so with gratitude and to recognize the grace of God? He's the one who calls us and the one who equips us and the one who helps us and gives us perseverance, teaches us to be able to keep going and, and growing in love for him and for other people. So I was doing that, reviewing, and then it was literally in the last couple of days before I came back from the sabbatical that I got the final R, which was to reset and I really thought, well, what is it that now, looking back and listening to God and thinking about the future, what do we want to be here at Ivy Church? What do we want to become at Ivy Church more and more? Now, our vision for years has been this. We're here to help people find their way back to God. That's been the vision statement. If you come even now, because we haven't changed it up yet, if you look on the uh, the signs outside the original building that was founded in 1893 here in Didsbury, Manchester, you're going to read the words outside that says, we're here to help you find your way back to God. And it's, a, it's focused out on our community. And that really is who we want to be. That's what we want to be in many ways. For the people who are looking from the outside in, we want to say we're here to serve you, to help you. We want to help you find your way back to God. And guess what? His name is Jesus, because <laughs> Jesus is the only way anybody ever found their way from being lost to found forever. So we want to make that our focus, and it's, it's great. But then I thought, well, who are we actually becoming as part of that? Because in many ways, people finding their way back to God. When I look at Scripture, when I look at Acts chapter 2, I see it's an outcome of a certain kind of community that God built just after Pentecost, the very first church, the first mega church that took place there and was being built in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came and empowered these ordinary people in extraordinary ways when the fire fell and the wind blew and people were 
pushed out onto the street and Peter preached and many were saved because they were saying, what must we do to be saved? And they were looking um, and, and they were baptized and there were thousands of them. And then they obviously couldn't keep meeting as crowds of thousands and they started to meet in different ways. But there was something about that church that made the world go, wow. And how often does the church make the world go, wow, now? And I mean, wow, in a good way. I don't mean, wow, like how how badly do you do your social media? Or how how insular and introspective can a group of people be? Or how how unwelcoming can a church be? I remember, you know, I'm not really, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story now that it always grabs me about a church that I read about some years ago in terms of welcome. And maybe it'll help us think a little bit this Christmas about uh, how we are when people come and visit your church. I um, read about it some years ago where there was a guy who was um, giving his life story, his, his kind of autobiography in some sense. And uh, he was, uh, I think, a well-known film producer. And he talked about his life and his ups and downs in various ways. And there was just this few paragraphs that really grabbed me in his story. Uh, it kind of was entitled something like My Search for God. And it says that this guy, he was in a, in Britain. He was in a particular town and he got divorced. And uh, he had to move out of his house and find somewhere else to live. So he moved to a different town for a fresh start and a new life. And it was during all of this time of tragedy and, and really reassessing his life, he started to wonder again about church. And he'd been to church a little bit when he was a boy and he began to wonder, well, if there, if, is there a God and is he real? And, and could any of that stuff actually be true? So it was in the run-up to Christmas, he decided he was going to go and visit a church that he'd seen a sign was only a short walk from his new house. Uh, he'd, he'd noticed it when he was when the removals van was pulling everything in and when he was going backwards and forwards. He'd seen that there was a local church not very far away at all. So he thought, well, I'll give that a go. And he'd seen that at the time it said it was on at 10.30 for a service, morning prayer or something. So on that Sunday morning, he got up walked to the church, got in there early, and uh, which meant he was probably about the only person in the building, <laughs> as it is in many churches. And uh, you, you can tell who the new ones are very often because they're the ones who come early and don't know to be late. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, then um, nobody really spoke to him, but there wasn't really anybody there, and that was fine. He saw the vicar going around doing his stuff at the front and tidying things up and putting out hymn books like they do always on murder mystery films. And then he um, sat and he didn't really know what to do, but a few people came and sat around him and he could see that they would sit and stand, kneel, open a book, close a book, sing some songs. And he did his best to go along with it all. And uh, it wasn't too bad. And then at the end, he thought, well, well I'll, I'll go and you know say hello to a few people. But nobody came and said hello to him. Then he went to the back where there was some tea and coffee. And again, people were standing in clumps and lumps all talking to each other. So he went over to one or two of them and he said, hello. And they all looked at him a bit like he was a stranger because he was. And they said, oh, hello. And he talked to one person who talked back to him. And, uh, and he said, I'm new here, which is what you'd call a clue. And this person said, oh, uh, how come you decided to come here then? And he said, well, I've just moved into the area. And this person said, oh, where did you move into? And he said the name of the street. And this person said, oh, you're in the wrong church. 
if you live there, you should be going to St. Such and Such a Body's Church. And this person who was writing the article said, and at that point I decided I would never ever go in another church again. You see, our welcome should reflect God's welcome and our love must reflect his love for everybody who comes to him. And that for me is one of the marks of a supernatural community. You see, actually in many ways we should be just doing the natural, first of all. We should just be doing the natural stuff of community better than ordinary communities do better than the cricket club better than the sports club better even can i say than the disney store years ago my daughter worked for the disney store she it was her dream job she was just got started at university and uh, she thought she saw there was jobs going in the run up to christmas at the disney store so she went along but she didn't stick at it because they were basically being told how to be fake sincere and friendly to people on the door and she just couldn't do it she could only do genuine and it didn't really work. And she just felt she was actually not being honest in the way in which she was being one of the cast members, which is what they call the people. You, you are just putting on a show and an act in doing so. And she couldn't do it. So she didn't last at that. But we should be better than that. Church should be better than that. We should put welcome people on the door who actually are welcoming and friendly and smiley and and uh, and interested in people. It's not that hard to find such people. And when we find them, we should thank them and get them on the door and help them to rep and tell them thanks for representing Jesus so well so we do natural well we should do generous well we should do friendly well we should do coffee well we should do good biscuits we shouldn't charge people for them I literally I'm going to go on a rant here can't believe somebody can't pay for the the coffee and the chocolate and the you know treats or something honestly if Jesus, if God could give his son, and we're supposed to represent him, but we can't get above rubbish Nescafe and awful dry biscuits, we're not representing him. I'm just announcing that. Anyway, that's a rant which I'll go off and you can complain about it later. Words. Uh, please send it to I don't care at ivychurch.org for your complaint about that one. We've got to do natural community really, really well. Then from there, and I realised in many ways, I think we've been doing that as Ivy over the years. There's been lots of good stuff that we've done over the years. We've we've been imaginative. We've done conferences. We've pastorally cared for people as best we possibly can. Uh, we've aimed at being loving. We tried to teach biblically and to, as if we believe it and if as if we know it. We've we've uh, organised as best we can. We've done lots of great stuff naturally, but. This phrase started to tick away in my mind when I was praying about this reset and what it should be, of what it would look like to be a, a supernatural community. And a supernatural community isn't just about community. It's, a, it's not even about the supernatural. That's an outcome, again. It's an outcome of being all about Jesus. Hey, you know what would really help? This is just a little thought. Why don't you subscribe while you're here? If you're interested in this and maybe you think somebody else is, perhaps you could encourage them to also do it. Uh, join up, subscribe. Why not, please? Would you write us a review? Especially if you're like a five-star person. We really love them. That would really help us get this Future Church podcast going and growing and spreading. I'm always grateful for so many people I bump into as I travel about or go to conferences who tell me, oh, I really love your podcast. What would be even nicer would be if you could let people know you do that. 
Connect with me on anthonydelaney.com. That's my blog. Have a look at launchcatalyst.org and you'll see many other things that we're doing. Or also, there's lots of free teaching at ivychurch.org and loads of stuff that's going on from our church here in Manchester. So, I was reading about what the first church looked like and to everybody who saw it, anybody who came into contact with it, anybody who devoted themselves to belonging and being part of it, when they saw that the promise of Jesus and the prophecies of the Old Testament had been fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, when that first church was birthed in Jerusalem, when people from many nations and tribes and languages all found themselves baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all began to praise God in their own languages, that was when a church made the world go, wow. It was a supernatural community. And church, like many other organizations, as I've said, can do community. Sometimes we even do it well. But this, wow, it went beyond any sense of just some natural human ordered organizations it wasn't just like the women's institute or your local sports club this church were a supernatural community that were all about jesus he was their focus remembering who he is obeying and talking about what he taught believing that because he died for their sins their sins were forgiven and because he rose again all things are possible to those who believe, just as he said. And so they sought to love him and one another, to live in obedience to his word. And we see in the pages that followed in the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit that they began to test for themselves by faith the truth of his promise that they could and would and should do even greater things than he'd done in his earthly ministry because he'd now gone to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit, not just to be with them, but to be in them, individually and collectively as the church. I was reading in the very next chapter about Peter and John. And I love it how they just went out and tried out the power that had been given, not just in the walls of a church building. There weren't any church buildings. Right outside the temple, they say to a man who'd never walked a step in his whole life, who'd come begging them for money, they looked at him and then they said, look at us. Why does he say that? Because he's getting ready to test the power and the promise in prayer. And then they haven't actually got any natural resources to offer. He says, Acts chapter 3, verse 6, we don't have any silver or gold, but we've got something better. We've got something more precious to offer you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because they were all about him, walk. That's the supernatural. And guess what? He did because they prayed, because they prayed in faith, because they had a go. It wasn't about his faith, really, here, but their faith had a lot to do with it, and they believed Jesus could and would do something supernatural in his name. Now, we know living that kind of miraculous life, being a supernatural community, very soon got them in trouble, believe it or not, just like Jesus' own miracles got him in trouble with people who were religious but had no relationship with the living God. And also with civic authorities that were happy with religious activities that had no power to threaten their own power. But this kind of power was shaking up the city. By Acts chapter 5, we read there was such a sense of the holy power of God 
that when the believers met outside by Solomon's colonnade at the gate of the temple, people looking on, they didn't even dare to join them. Can you imagine a more supernatural community than that? Where rather than advertise, people would just be like, can I even be part of something like that? It's so amazing what God is doing on the earth. So even now, as we say at Ivy, we want to be a supernatural community. You know, the world's happy to hear about supernatural when it's ghosts or new age or astrology or at Halloween or or even when celebrities are, are celebrating witchcraft and Satan on our screens. We can feel the same pressure to not really talk about the supernatural somehow to, you know, it kind of rocks the boat and let's just, you know, meet people in some lowest common denominator kind of way where we're just talking about let's um, be good, do good things to the planet and reduce our carbon footprint and whatever. And, you know, those things are good, but the devil does a number on us and he just keeps us thinking like that rather than grabbing hold of all the treasures of heaven. I realised as we're coming to the end of my sabbatical, I just thought, how many things of, how many problems have I come to or come across? A bit like that man who's sitting outside the temple, who's got no hope, who, who you know, where he was in that time. If you were disabled, you stayed disabled. If you were a beggar, you stayed a beggar. If you were hopeless, you stayed without hope. That was the the lot of your life. And yet, Peter and John are coming to the temple and they know they're carrying something. They know they've got the power of God, they've got the promise of God with them and they want to test it out by faith. But how many times in my own life, in my own ministry, have I been presented with a problem or an opportunity through prayer? You can look at it either way. And I've just come with my natural solution. Even for somebody who's homeless and a beggar like that, we just, as a as a church, we you know, we've just given a, a substantial amount of money away to a brilliant ministry called Barnabas that do homeless ministry in the church. And I love to be able to go in and uh, and and meet people there who who are being helped by that amazing ministry and to preach the good news to them. And it's fantastic to go and and see them transformed and their lives transformed. But it's Jesus who's transforming so many of these lives, and it's amazing to see his power at work in them and, and some of them you know I've even been there when they've been baptized etc but I've gone very often to a problem even a social problem community problem or an individual pastoral problem and it's a bit like I just sort of had this wondering at the end of the sabbatical as we were coming back as a church of I have this kind of picture going on of like the problems of the world and the darkness and the pains of the world and the things that particularly I'm concerned about or that get presented in front of me and how often do I just come along and I've got my own little toolbox maybe, my own, uh, well, the light on my phone to shine into the darkness or, uh, you know, a little um, toolbox with a, a, a spanner or a screwdriver. I'm not even very good at DIY to try and fix things. And yet behind me, if I just turn round and look back, which is actually really what repenting looks like when you turn round and look and look the other way. Behind me, if you can picture this, are all the resources and all the power, all the supernatural power of heaven, of the kingdom that are waiting for ordinary people just to turn around and to do what Jesus said really like he means it when we say it not just as some religious prayer by rote but when we talk to our father in heaven and we and we pray and we intercede for those things and then we turn around and we reach back and we grab hold of heaven's solutions 
for earthly problems. When we recognise actually now I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ and I've got access to all of those spiritual blessings that I can bring into the world today. And so I pray your kingdom come, your will be done, your healing come, your will be done, your provision come, your will be done, your deliverance come, your will be done. Here on earth as it is in heaven, your miracle come. Here on earth as it is in heaven for the glory of the Father and in the name of Jesus. It's when we start praying those kind of prayers and we don't just focus on the problem, but we turn around and look at the size of the storehouses of heaven. That's when we're going to make bigger plans for our opportunities here on the earth. When we don't just look at the size of the problem, but we look beyond it and see something of the size of our awesome God. That's when I'm going to start thinking, you know what he's able to do above and beyond everything that I could ever ask, dare to dream or imagine. When we start to make plans for next year based upon the size of our God, not just on the size of our problems or even our opportunities, I think we're going to make a, a much bigger dent. So I'm encouraging you to think about what it would it be like maybe as a leader or to be part of a supernatural community that's all about Jesus. That to me is, is just a recovery of church as it's meant to be. And so much that passes as church these days, I'm not just talking about other churches here, I'm saying it even at Ivy, when I think we've done our best in so many ways, but our best, you know what? It ain't that great. God's best is so much better and it's available to us. So why don't you ever wonder and, and say to God, what would it look like for us next year to actually make our plans based on the size of you and upon upon your power and then as a leader the only thing that's going to hold us back from more supernatural you know what it is trying to be in control that's what i realized that was my battle i was trying to hold on to control and to be the leader of the church whereas actually the best leaders the best christian leaders are those who are led and are led by the spirit because that's when we're going to start to see the freedom and the liberty that comes to the sons of God. Why do we fear? In, it is fear, really. Why do we try and hold on to control? Well, I know what it is for me. We don't want people thinking we're weird. But guess what? I've realised there are people who will think you're weird just for saying that you're actually believing God at all. So, that being the case, we might as well really believe. What kind of a God would it be if he could only do what we can do what kind of a god would that be i don't want a god i don't need a god who could only do what i can do or what we can do as some human group of people is you know on the earth with our own ideas and resources but the real god can do whatever he says he can do and he said that the only way he's going to do it is only limited in this is that he wants to do it through us I want to move more and more, I'm hoping this podcast will do it for you today, into encouraging people who need a miracle to pray like it. That man who Peter and, and John met needed healing because he couldn't walk. He had an obvious need. It was visible. But maybe ours aren't so obvious. We still need to name them. Name the problem and bring it to God. See, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Jesus says, ask, ask and you'll receive. I want us to pray 
like that today? What is it that you are asking God for? What's, what do you need a breakthrough in? As we round out this year and as you start to plan and pray something, something worthy of God. I remember being in Haiti and this was just after the earthquake. I've been a few times and I met a, an amazing church leader there who was one of the people who was working with compassion. And so often you meet the leaders out there and you find they are world class leaders in many of these places for compassion. It's the guy who drives the bus and, and runs you about. But when you get talking to him, it turns out, oh, yes, so I've I've founded a school and I'm a, I've got a doctorate and I lead you know, 5,000 people in seven churches. <laughs> and I remember one of the guys who said, I want us to pray, prayers so big that they make God sweat. <laughs> I was amazed by that idea. I'm not sure biblically and theologically it's actually ever going to tr be true, but, but it made me, it just challenged me in terms of, do I just pray for easy stuff that we could just do anyway if we just try a little bit and raise the bar a little bit? Or are we actually going to pray the kind of prayers like Peter and John did that put them outside of their comfort zone where in a very public place they're reaching out to somebody who's got no other hope and yet they say put your hope in the name of Jesus and guess what it actually works. See Peter didn't say look at us because he thought he and John were spiritual superheroes. Everybody soon said they could see what they were. What were they? Just ordinary people who had been with Jesus that's the difference maker and they didn't pray in the name of Peter or John or anybody else but they said the man was healed by faith in the name of Jesus I'm doing some um, a, a community on uh, in the new year it's in connection with somebody called the the movement leaders connect collective which was founded by Alan Hirsch and uh, Rich Robinson my friends there you can check it out um, contact me uh, at the office info at ivychurch.org to find out more if it's something that you're interested in and we'll send you the details to be part of a coached six-month community where we're going to be examining what it is for us ordinary people like you and me to be used in these extraordinary ways collectively and individually and I want to do some learning together with you and I also going to do some teaching and these these guys who put this together are just experts at helping people to ground teaching in real ways in their own life and, and communities where they live. So uh, get in touch and, and uh, ask, and I'll, I'll tell you all the details of how you can uh, become part of that. It's going to be six months starting in January um, for some coached calls together with a great community of people that are going to be looking into what it is to be a supernatural community that's all about Jesus. And, and I haven't got time to go into it now, but we ended up looking at the Acts 2 church and we said this church that made the world go wow, uh, they were focused uh, in many ways. They were devoted, it says to themselves, to the word and to worship and to one another. As a result of that, they changed how they used and viewed their wealth. And it says that there were many signs and wonders in that community. And more than anything, I think that's the one I want to land on. This Christmas, when we celebrate what C.S. Lewis said was actually the greatest miracle, the incarnation. And if God could do that, guess what he can do anything why would wonders ever cease you know we have that phrase don't we may wonders never cease well wonders do cease when i stop asking for them praying for them believing for them 
When I stop reaching out to a, somebody in need and saying, you know what, I haven't got any natural resources to be able to help with this. I've got something better and more powerful than my own wisdom, my own resources or anything I could do that might just be a temporary help. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be whole, be saved, be free, be loved. Be with God forever. Be found, be transformed, be renewed be rescued, be a change agent, be great in the kingdom of God, be a child of God, be a son, be a daughter, be adopted, be beloved, be you with Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we start to help people to be all of that, then we're going to see that wonders never cease. And for everybody listening now on the Future Church podcast, thanks for doing so. And I just pray this Christmas is going to be one where people tangibly experience something of a supernatural encounter in the services, in the community outreaches, in anything else that we're doing, that people get that sense that, yeah, God really has come looking for me at Christmas so that they find the one who's come looking for them. And also going to pray for every leader that whatever plans that you'd begun to make naturally, perhaps for next year, that you get with God and spend some time with him in the middle of all of the busyness and the hustle and bustle and say, Lord, OK, that's my plans. What do you want to see happen here? What could happen if we released more and more of your Holy Spirit's power and vision if we just believe that you're still able to do more than we could ever ask or dream and imagine and we've started some dreams and imaginations and asks here but but what would it look like for us to double that treble that 10 exit this year so that next year 2024 really is the best year because the world at its worst which it often feels like at the moment needs the church of jesus christ to be the best it can be grateful for you and for you being part of it i'm so grateful the lord saved me and called me to serve it thanks for everything and uh, see you soon on the next future church podcast